0: as I start let me pray. Dear Lord on this Palm Sunday we begin the journey to Calvary that we will live out across the coming week called Holy Week. As we are invited to join the crowd in shouting Hosanna Hosanna at the entry of a gentle Jesus into Jerusalem I pray that those here present may hear the words that you have given me to say and that they might have ears to hear and hearts to obey. Be with us now, I pray, in Jesus, our Saviour's precious name. And the people said, Amen. So as I begin this morning, or this evening now, sorry, I've done this twice already today. As I begin this evening, I could not resist this little amusement that I read during my research. It comes right out of the Out of Mouths of Babes listing. So a little boy was sick on Palm Sunday. So he stayed home from church with his mother and his father returned from church holding a palm branch. The little boy was curious and said, dad, why have you got a palm branch? Well, dad said, you see, when Jesus came into town, everyone waved palm branches to honor him. So we got palm branches today. So the little boy shrugged and he thought about it. And he said, oh, shucks, the one Sunday I miss and Jesus turns up. <laughs> Out of the mouths of babes. So friends, today we've listened, or tonight we've listened to the scripture that describes the triumphal entry of Jesus to, into Jerusalem. And we've seen the comic illustration that the beginning of Holy Week starts on Palm Sunday. But you know, when you think about it, it's really quite strange. The subheading for my sermon when I started this was Triumph to Tragedy. Or is it in fact the other way around? Knowing what we know as New Testament Christians, I think it might be the other way around. The one week Jesus was hailed as the greatest person ever Then just five days later, he was crucified. It's amazing how people can change their minds so quickly. So 2,000 years ago, the Sadducees had a tradition in which they believed that the Messiah would show up four days before the Passover. They kept the gates of the temple open so he could walk straight in for his rightful place in the temple. Because of this, Jewish nationalistic fervour was at its peak on this particular day. The Romans would have all of their troops activated and on alert. They feared that the Jews would try another revolt under some religiously crazed radical, as had happened in the past. Tensions were riding high on the first Palm Sunday. Yet, this is the very day that Jesus chose to enter Jerusalem on a donkey, fulfilling a prophecy from Zechariah 9, which reads, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion! Rejoice and shout, daughters of Jerusalem! See, your king comes to you, righteous and having salvation, gentle and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. Now, dear friends of ours, John and Jam Waterhouse, some of whom you might remember, have been up and down Hosanna Street in Jerusalem a number of times. Now, John was a mad photographer. He has thousands of photographs, which he shared with us over many years when I was out at Mount Hunter. And it's almost as if I've been there vicariously through their travels. So imagine this. If you're coming from Bethlehem, and you pass through Bethany, the road climbs up over the ridge, and as you reach the crest, spread out before you on the other side of the Kidron Valley is the beautiful city of Jerusalem. I wish I had the photograph that John had shown me, but the best I could do was this stock photo. It just doesn't do it justice, really. Now, the dominant feature in this view of the city is the Dome of the Rock. The gold cupola, you can see right in the middle. The dome of the rock now stands where the temple once stood. The rock inside that dome has the footings of the Holy of Holies in the exact dimensions recorded in God's Word. In fact, on the top of the rock, carved out of that rock, are the dimensions of the Ark of the Covenant. That ridge was once called the Mount of Olives. And two thirds of the way down that hill into the Kidron Valley is the Church of All Nations and the Garden of Gethsemane, the very same place where Jesus would be betrayed in a few short days. Jesus went down that road on a donkey. It was a donkey that had never been ridden. This donkey had yielded its back to its creator and willingly carried him down that road. Do you know, that donkey happens to be an awful lot like us when we first came to Jesus for our salvation. We came used to having our own way, but knowing we had met our creator and the need to yield our life to him, what an honour it's been to be of use to the creator of all things. So the crowds that had witnessed Lazarus's resurrection shouted, Hosanna! Hosanna! Which means, Save us now. Yasha Anna in Hebrew. They were quoting from Psalm 118, verses 25 to 29, which says, O Lord, save us, O Lord, grant us success. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. From the house of the Lord we bless you. The Lord is God and he has made his light shine upon us with bows in hand join in the festal procession up to the horns of the altar. You are my God and I will give you thanks. You are my God and I will exalt you. Give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His love endures forever. passage I think we would know very well they are saying Jehovah Lord save us to come in the name of the Lord is to come in his authority he has made his light to shine on us Jesus said he was the light of the world Isaiah predicted that the Messiah would be the light for the Gentiles for you and for me Then in verse 27, we have a variation in the texts. You know, scholars tell us that the NIV is a very accurate translation regarding a much clearer understanding of the original language and predicts that they will be waving boughs before him up unto the altar in the temple. Then in verse 28, we read, "'You are my God.'" Oh, if only they had heard their own prophecies that they had memorised so faithfully. And in verse 29, we see that familiar verse, give thanks to the Lord for he is good, his love endures forever. You know, it's incredible that this very song was sung when the presence of God filled the first temple, built by solomon by the way it's a chorus just as we sing it today and we see in 2 chronicles 7 as the people sang this in solomon's day and i think they might have sung it more than once or twice the very presence of god so filled the temple that everyone had to step outside and what was happening right there in jerusalem on that first palm sunday That's right. The presence of God is about to walk into the temple, the very incarnation of God in his son. Do you see this evening that this is a picture for you and for me? The Lord wants us for a temple of the Holy Spirit. He wants wants to fill us so that it's no more us that's living, but Christ who is living in us. You know, we need to sing. And praise God that we've re- received the uh, dispensation to sing a little early, because the, really the, the restrictions weren't due to lift until tomorrow. But praise God we got that so that we could sing at every service today and in churches across New South Wales. Thank you, Mr Hazard. We don't often say thank you to a, a, a politician He is good, not Brad Hazard, but God is good and his love endures forever until we are filled to overflowing with the presence of the king. Are we welcoming his presence into us as a temple? Are our doors open wide and waiting? Do we recognise him when he comes? He comes to us just as humbly, And sometimes we think it may just be a brother or sister, just a passage of scripture, just an event in an ordinary day. But friends, make no mistake, it is the King. The Jews sang in Psalm 24 about a generation that sought the face of God. And Psalm 24, verse 7 says, Lift up your heads. O ye gates, be lifted up, you ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. Be always ready for the humble King Jesus to come in ways that you least expect. The welcoming crowd shouted in Luke 19, verse 38, blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord, peace in heaven and glory in the highest our verse of the day. Now, this was a very dangerous thing to be expressing at that very moment. The Pharisees knew the verse in Zechariah about the king coming on a donkey and were well aware of the watchful eyes of the Roman authorities. It wasn't helping the tense situation to shout about a king on that particular day. They asked Jesus to rebuke his disciples But what did we read? Jesus told them that if the disciples were quiet, even the stones would cry out. You see, Jesus was familiar with the prophecy too. He saw the command to the daughters of Jerusalem to shout and knew that it would be fulfilled without or with people. In ancient Israel, a shout would be lifted up as an army went into battle. Yet what do we see here? A little ragtag mob entering Jerusalem to conquer? But they've come led by the Prince of Peace on a donkey. So they lift up a shout of praise. He came as the righteous one. How many people can be said to have ever entered into Jerusalem in righteousness? And next are those powerful words having salvation. Jesus came offering peace with God. He came in peace to give the people peace. They preferred salvation from taxation than salvation of their souls. And so in a few days, they would prefer Barabbas to be freed instead of Jesus. Jesus could see that this was in their mindset. And so in the midst of this praise and thanksgiving, the people waving the palm branches like a national flag, we read those famous words found in Scripture, and Jesus wept. Jesus As we return to our passage, we read in in Luke 19, 42, If you, even you, had only known on this day what would bring you peace, but now it is hidden from your eyes. Friends, peace was not a new king that would war against Rome. It was a king who would offer them peace with God. But Jesus could see that their desire to have an earthly king would be their destruction. If they'd received the salvation that Jesus offered, they would not have revolted against Rome and been destroyed a little later, crucified by the thousands. So I want to pause there for a moment and ask a question Does Jesus weep for you this night? because he can see into our hearts and the choices that we might try to find peace in something other than him. He sees the devastation that those choices will reap in our lives. How he would love to gather you up in his arms in this Easter season especially Don't be like Jerusalem. On this Palm Sunday, just as Jesus entered Jerusalem in apparent triumph, I pray that you might receive his peace this day. Recognise that only your creator knows what will truly fill your hearts. It's not the things he made, but his very life. So if this question has challenged you in any way tonight, then please talk to someone. Talk to the person who you came with or reach out to one of our staff who'd love to help you explore this question and set you on your journey to see the cross for what it is and put your life on the right track. Look at the last part of this amazing prophecy. He was gentle and riding on a donkey. This is how the Lord comes to us today too. He gently knocks upon the door of our hearts. He enters only at our invitation. I'm amazed at his patience. It should break our hearts that he is so persistent and yet so gentle. But make no mistake, the time for Jesus to come humbly and in gentleness to offer himself is drawing to an ear, to an end. Just as the prophecy and Psalm 118 have been fulfilled in amazing detail, so other prophecies will soon come to pass. So in the short time I have remaining, I want to have a quick look at Revelation 19. And it says, I saw heaven standing open, and there before me was a white horse whose rider is called Faithful and True. With justice he judges and makes war. His eyes are like blazing fire, and on his head are many crowns. He has a name written on him that no one knows but he himself. He is dressed in a robe dipped in blood, and his name is the Word of God. The armies of heaven were following him, riding on white horses and dressed in fine linen, white and clean. Out of his mouth comes a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations. He'll rule them with an iron scepter. He treads the winepress of fury of the wrath of God Almighty. And on his robe and on his thigh, he has his name written, King of Kings, and Lord of lords. You know, this passage from Revelation tells us there'll be no more gentle Jesus when the time of justice has come. Now, the king of Judah arrives on a war horse. Now, what kind of God would he be if he never called man to account, if he never exercised justice on the wicked? Man cries out whenever we see a Hitler or a Saddam or a... Idi Amin, and they say, Well, where's God? When some tyrant kills an innocent, all rebellion against God will be required to face justice when that day comes. No one's going to ask then, Where is God? For every eye shall see him, every knee will bow. Of course, then the wicked people will be asking, Well, where's the God of love? Friends, he is right here, right now, on that donkey, gently asking us to realise that the route we may be on will lead to death. The day of the Lord is coming and then it will be too late. For those who have ignored his pleading for their lives this almighty god will judge the earth through his son and so as the passage from revelation tells us that as the armies of the world loot jerusalem he will descend from heaven on his war stallion with the saints of god the redeemed following him into battle apparently he will dismount upon the mount of olives as Zechariah predicted he will execute justice in the earth for he is faithful and true. He would not be faithful or true if he did not punish the wicked and that refused to turn from their rebellion against God. It is in total justice that he judges and makes war. Why? For he is the word of God. Now John received this revelation and it was John who had it written in his gospel that the word became flesh and lived among us. At the second triumphal entry, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Then everyone will know that he is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. On that first Palm Sunday, the ones that shouted Yasharana will be shouting, Crucify him! Crucify him! In four short days. Because he did not want to do what they wanted him to do. They wanted him to fulfill their expectations. Not be the Lord of their life. So, as I conclude, I pose this question to you. Where do you stand? Total surrender to the Lord of Christ? Or are you expecting him to fulfil your expectations? Yasha Anna, save us now, not from Rome, but from our own misguided desires. If he reigns in you now, He'll reign in and through you forever. Where will you be at the second triumphal entry? It all depends on if you've allowed the triumphal entry into your heart of the Saviour that would sacrifice all for us on that first Good Friday. Triumph or tragedy? Depends very much on your perspective doesn't it? Let me pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you sent your son to be our saviour. Lord, we pray today for all those that are suffering and in hardship because of the ongoing flood disaster. It's hard for us to fathom your will in natural disasters, but we pray that you might protect the innocent in their distress. Father, we pray too for our first responders who are once again in the fray seeking to protect life and property as they pitch in with the cleanup. We pray too for all the agencies that will combine to bring about recovery in those affected communities and for our brothers and sisters in Christ who are ministering to those who are struggling right now this night. We pray that we might have soft hearts to be generous in the appeals that will no doubt come to help flood victims. And so in this beginning of Holy Week, we remember that we are on that journey to Calvary where what for man appeared to be a tragedy turned to be a mighty triumph in the empty tomb. God, we pray that you would bless and protect your people that they might hear your invitation and accept it with open arms. Amen.